Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. We are here for a news show, which means I need some help. So let's bring on Matt to Rumpets. Happy Valentine's Day, Matt. And happy Valentine's Day to you, too. I hope you notice that I got you the Valentine's Day present of a brand new set of show notes set up so that your eyes can comprehend them. And as a bonus, you were nearly on time for the call as well. That's love. Uh, I'm sorry, what time is it now? Yeah, look, this is the least late we've ever started a live stream. Now, I have to say that last week we did say that we were going to do a pre-record because it's Valentine's Day tonight and I assumed that everyone would want to not be in trouble. Uh, But it turns out that all of the panel don't care about Valentine's Day. So we decided to just go ahead and do it. Yes, well, uh, being in trouble simply means more eye racing. Well, it does, yeah. Get Get to the shed. Yeah, when you're a kid and you get sent to your room, that was like the best thing ever. Yeah, that's great. My my Nintendo Entertainment System is in there, so that's fine. So instead of doing a pre-record, we decided to stream it. And as I mentioned a few weeks back, we were going to make a few of the live streams patrons, patron only, and then the finished product would go out to everybody as normal on a Monday. Uh, it's not that we don't like our live stream people, Matt. It's just that we had decided we wanted the odd more chill one with our with our patron friends. Yeah, it's a little more convivial, the atmosphere. And after the lovely uh, quiz that you ran for the patrons, which my family enjoyed very much, I have to say thank you for giving us a family (laughs) activity, a thing we can all do together. Um, It seems like a perfect follow-up to just invite them on for a little bit of a holiday, chill, relaxed YouTube thing. Okay, yes. I should I should really promote the fact that we run those quizzes. We've done two so far during this most recent UK lockdown. There'll be another one next month. And Catman is putting on an end-of-the-month patron F1 quiz, which is done over a Zoom call using a website. Uh, and since we're promoting things, uh, can I briefly mention that my second article has gone up on the Reddit Formula 1 subreddit? Yes. 
Okay, well, I will mention then that my second article has gone up on the Formula One subreddit at Reddit, and this time we've made an audio version. And I have to thank one of our panelists today for putting the idea in my head because he looked at the first one we wrote and said, I don't read more than 10 words before I quit. You must make an audio version or I will not partake. There is an audio version and we're going to link to that in the show notes here because that is being supported on the technical side by Missed Apex and Spanners Ready Media. Uh, but welcome to everyone in the live stream and welcome to everybody listening to this after the fact. If you want to make sure you get invited to all the live streams, it's not a paywall as such, but if you do want to make sure you get that unlisted link to all the streams, uh, there's a $1 tier, that's the bottom tier, and then there's several tiers going up where we try and make it increasingly worth your while. But we do love your support at patreon.com forward slash Apex. Because we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We could just hang out, Matt and I. We could. I mean, we're the best ones, arguably. We are. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to talk about the order of who's who's the outright best no um, no it's just the us of us at top but top 10 in the available panelists for sure is alex jeansy van jean how's it going alex it's going all right on this just another sunday that doesn't mean anything to anybody i don't need a day to tell me to love my wife i love her all the time no matter how loudly she chews exactly and don't ever tell her that i stole that line from uncle phil on the fresh prince of bella Nice. My kids are just, <laughs> I just left my family watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as it happens. Um, you, you're annoying me a little bit because you went through a brief phase of not being very fast at iRacing. Now you're just super duper like alien quick again. And uh, I'm sad by that. I'm just off alien. Uh, sort of. I'm, enjo- I'm, I'm enjoying it and I'm getting better. Load cell pedals help massively, as you well know, where they stay stuck down. Um, but yeah, no, it, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying my time in iRacing now, apart from this week. Okiyama was horrible. I hated it. But um, other than that, it's been quite good. Wow. It was awesome. Hopefully we'll get back on some real tarmac with some real tyres in the form of some missed apex karting very soon. Uh, But someone who is alien pace and has been helping me with the missed apex iRacing podcast, uh, link in the show notes below, is racing driver Bradley Philpott. Hello, Brad. Good evening, Spanners. It's nice to be back on a real missed apex podcast. Oh, right. Yeah, because we've just been having you doing the computery game versions. Yeah, this is this is cool. And with all my favourite panellists as well. Oh, there we go. <laughs> In your face, Kyle and Chris and Christian and Nick and all those other guys. Um, you have some, oh gosh, do you know what? In a couple of weeks, we're going to have some really, real exciting stuff to talk about, aren't we? But uh, no, nothing yet. Yeah, it's tricky. There's some uh, not particularly um, secret things, but I just don't want to annoy people by letting mm. on just yet. And there's some hopefully more important, exciting things that I can talk about in, a, in an upcoming episode. But yeah, uh, fingers crossed we'll get some real racing underway at some point this year, and I can tell you the stories from that. Yeah, and let's pause that for now, because the last thing you would want to do is make some big announcement that you're going to make an announcement and then come up with four minutes of, frankly, drivel. But we're not going to go into the the uh, rich energy story yet, Matt. Not yet, I don't think. What could you possibly be referencing there? I have no idea. <laughs> I had such a good time tweeting along uh, with the Rich Energy saga with our account. We've got a poor energy, you know, that's a pretty weak parody name, but we have a lot of fun. I thought that account would be dead and parked, but no, William Story has just piped up Brad and uh, and unleashed all the fun once more. 
I've just got to say, I thought your tweets on the Poor Energy account today were excellent. So if anybody's interested, go and check out that Twitter account because it was really good. Okay, do you know what? We're going to do some legitimate Formula One news before we go around to that. And people will say, well, why are you giving William Story airtime? Because it's hilarious. Uh, That's why. But first, let's start off with some real and some genuine... Big Dirty News. So everyone here at Missed Apex Podcast, I am sure will... Uh, join me in wishing Fernando Alonso well. I don't know who's got any of the the skinny, any of the further details on that, but we're already, Matt, looking at a possible replacement driver in Formula One, and we're quite far out from the start of the season, but poor old, poor old Fernando Alonso ends up getting hit by a car whilst road cycling. Yeah, it was quite the sacrifice to make so that we'd have something to speculate about on today's show. I, I, I do have to say thanks to him for doing that. Uh, but as it turns out, he was cycling in Switzerland uh, by a row of parked cars. And he, based on the police reconstruction, uh, struck the right side of a car that was turning left into a, sh- a supermarket uh, car park or, you know, a parking lot, as we like to call them over here. And uh, wound up breaking his jaw, um, had to have surgery. Now, the interesting thing here is that he didn't break, which is what I think everybody thought at first. Everybody thought he broke his jaw and would be wired shut. Yeah. But he actually, it was his upper jaw instead of his lower jaw. That detail I didn't miss. And he had a surgery. But the team has gone on to say that they, they expect him to be functional by time they get to testing which may or may not be true, so we can use it to speculate on who might replace him anyway, because happily enough, Alpine mm-hmm. has no reserve driver, and with, there's word that Hulkenberg, who you might think would be at the top of the list, has been in talks with Aston Martin, so we can just go to town on this one. Yeah, well, yeah, we can do, but it, I mean, to be honest, it sounds like he's going to make it back, but I mean, a lot of the a lot of the F1 drivers are into road cycling. You know, you had Jensen Button famously into it, Valtteri Bottas, um, I think that's to do with his partner as well. Uh, it, well, I don't know, but his partner is also like a top-level um, cyclist. Now, you did some some pretty high-level cycling, and I did road cycling recreationally for fitness. And, oh, my God, it, it, I stopped because you are taking a risk every single time you go out there and train. And for Alonso, imagine missing Formula One, missing Formula One races because somebody turned into a supermarket car park badly. Yeah, well, I don't, I'm not even sure they turned in badly. I think it was an issue where he was screened by parked cars or by non-moving cars and the person turned and by the time he saw the car, he couldn't stop the bike. This actually happened to me once while I was training. I was training with a partner of mine. We followed a car onto a side road and we were going, you know, our usual pace, yeah, 40-ish kilometers an hour, 35, 40 kilometers an hour. And the car stopped in the middle of the road to get their mail out the mailbox and the guy who was in front of me couldn't get his bike stopped in time, smashed into the back of their car. And then they got out and started yelling at him. And we're like, you stopped in the middle of a road. 40 miles an hour, uh, still faster than his 2015 Honda-powered McLaren. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so we, we wish him well. That's just a quick news story. But probably the biggest news so far to come out this week has been the engine freeze that we were talking about last week. And so the vote went through on the 11th with Red Bull seeking to have an engine freeze. And that has actually been, that's been agreed now. So it's definitely happening. 
Uh, yeah, it has been agreed. The interesting detail about this is that, you know, we, we speculated a lot about the balance of performance last week. Would it be fuel flow? Would it be development opened up? Apparently, there is no mechanism right now for anyone to catch up at all. It's just going to be a freeze from 2022 onwards. And there was lots of back and forth amongst the different teams about who was in favor of it, when and under what circumstances. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that means that if a team doesn't catch up by the end of 2022, we're in the same situation. We're going to end up going to have three years where there's a baked in engine advantage. I'm not sure that's what anyone wanted apart from Red Bull. How, how did they manage to get that pushed through, do you think? Um, I, think because, I think because the deal had to be done for Red Bull to stay in the sport. And at the end of the day, as selfish as Formula One teams are, if you're Mercedes, do you want Red Bull walking off? And mm. if you're Renault, do you want Mercedes walking off and then you win? No, you really don't. But see, Alex, you know, we, we sometimes we've, we've mocked the, the annual who's going to threaten to leave Ferrari or Red Bull. But at the end of the day, they've got four cars. They've got power in the sport. Oh, they've, they've got the sport by the proverbial, really. I'm, I'm surprised that they actually let them do it and have that much power because it gives them such a massive percentage of the grid that they can go, well, we'll just take it with us. Because losing one team would be bad, um, but manageable and would be and you'd probably get that one team taken over like for example when force india went down you know someone came in quite quickly and took them over if alpha tauri went down someone would come in and quite quickly take that over but to lose two at the same time i don't see that kind of thing happening again um, or happening twofold um so yeah they do have power and it's unfair power um especially when they've got the only they're not in a big engine deal at all now so yeah i I hope they get it sorted it looks like it will be done it's a lot of posturing to get it whether they want it but as i think i said last time we talked about this i think red bull actually just happy with the way the engine currently is because they wouldn't be asking for a freeze if they thought they could develop it so being able to develop it (laughs) um or not having to develop it means we're happy it's reliable weren't they one of the most reliable engines last season if i remember rightly they didn't really have hardly any engines go bang last year so what more do they want? Uh, that's because the AlphaTauri engines went bang for them, I think. Uh, but it's interesting you bring that up uh, because this comes out of the larger um, meeting that, that, that we had. Uh, and they voted on several things, including we have more details about the sprint race. We can get to that in a minute. But they also talked about the 2025 engine specifications in more detail uh, for the first time. And what's interesting is the engine they are talking about is going to be simple enough and inexpensive enough that Red Bull is now saying that they might choose to simply continue on and develop the engine on their own at that point, which means there might be no MGUH, which means that it might be a larger displacement engine. We don't really know uh, the, the full details, but the goal is to make it simpler and more efficient and less expensive to develop. Uh, maybe maybe it's going to be a pure hydrogen or pure electric engine. I think we should have a 25-minute extended debate on that, Matt, because everyone loved that last week. Uh, yeah, well, hydrogen is a possibility, as Dominic Hawley stated, because we don't yet have a battery that can operate for a full Grand Prix distance uh, and, <laughs> and, be, and be workable within the, the other reference of Formula One design. But 
He knows Where I was joking, were... Alex, doesn't he? He knows he knows I was joking and to not set off down that argument path. No, he doesn't have much. He doesn't have a sarcasm radar. <laughs> Sorry, he needs to hang around with Brits a bit more. Uh, no, we'll not go. We'll not fire into into that debate, Matt. But the the question I really did want to ask you, finally, on the engines is because I know you'll probably want to do like a big tech show with um, Summers or Stuart Mitchell yeah. at some point on this. Is basically who's the who's the losers out of this? You've got to think that. Maybe it's Ferrari if they can't catch up the disadvantage they had it in a year, then they're destined to another three years of of terrible engines. And Renault, yeah. maybe I don't know. Alpine, sorry. Yeah. So from a performance point of view, um, right now Ferrari is the odd manufacturer out uh, because they are way down on horsepower. But we don't know what they're bringing to the table this year. What's interesting, and um, I think we're going to talk about it maybe a little bit later in terms of Mercedes, but I'll bring it up now, is that we already have some some serious development restrictions in place on the teams, on the power manufacturer, power unit manufacturers for the first time. Their dyno running is restricted, and they can only bring a single homologation of engine this season. So whatever they show up with at testing, they are stuck with it for the whole season this year. They can't, they, they're allowed to introduce reliability upgrades, but they changed the language of that. It used to say, if you need to make an upgrade for reliability, you can do it. Now it said minimal upgrades are allowed for, for reliability purposes. And that may not seem like a big deal, but that minimal is a pretty big word. That means like you can't go to the FIA. Oh, look, uh, our, our, our MGUK that would run a million duty cycles now will run a million and 10. So it's more reliable. We want to upgrade it. It's going to have to be a lot more than that for them to think about letting you make that change. Okay, good. I definitely, I definitely followed up on, I definitely followed all of that, Matt. So there's no need to quiz me further. Uh, but I always, I, li- I listen back, you know, I listen back to these shows and I always absorb things the second time around. I listen to tech time at least twice. I know I joke about it, but in all seriousness, I listen to it with it in the background and then I zone in on the the areas that I wanted to really understand. So uh, I'm not just mocking you. I had a a meeting with a potential sponsor uh, during the week, a little bit inside baseball here. And he said, he said, you know what? He said, that Canadian you do the podcast with, he's very good. He's very detailed. And I didn't correct him. (laughs) Went out of my way to not correct him. That's a compliment to you guys, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's nice. Be mistaken. You sure he wasn't talking about Carter? Nah, Canadian resident, slightly <laughs> different. All right, let's talk about um, some some more of the the racing action. I want Brad's opinion on the uh, the proposed updated sprint races. Uh, but Matt, perhaps you could give us a quick refresher on the latest on that and where we're at, and then we can decide how angry we're supposed to be about it. Yes, well, I do love this because we we had none of these details last week, and we just had endless speculation. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out that of all the speculating, I was pretty much right. So I always love stories like that Yay. just because I was right with my guesses. Uh, but the the way it's going to work is pretty straightforward. Uh, there'll be one practice Friday, and then second practice will now become qualifying for the Hang race on. on Saturday. Wait, wait, what? Is this like the latest proposal, or is this is this happening? Uh, this is um this this has uh, I think they've formed a working group to sort out a whole bunch of other details, which we'll get to in a minute. But these are the, this is the understanding all the major uh, outlets have of the shape of the way it's going to go. Okay. Practice two becomes qualifying. All right. So on a Friday, we're going to have a practice session and then a qualifying session. Okay. Yep. So what happens on Saturday? You have your race. 
and the race is going to be a third of a Grand Prix, or 100 kilometers. Okay. Which is interesting. Now, this is also, to be very clear to everyone out there who's screaming, this is only <laughs> agreed to as a trial run for one year and only at three races out of oh, year. Okay, so they okay, literally okay. said, let's do an experiment and see how it works, people. Okay, okay. I, I don't mind that because I didn't mind the experiment with the, uh, the elimination thing. I think if you'd have given that a bit more legs, we might have had, we could have got, we could have had something there. I didn't think it was awful. Um, so let's just, just finish off where we think these proposals are. So the qualifying decides the grid for Saturday. There's a one third race. That's it. No further practice. Yep. Uh, well, they didn't mention practice. Okay, three. Okay. I don't know if they'll be allowed like a warm up practice mm. in the morning or not, but the race on Saturday sets the grid for Sunday. Okay. Let's get your hot take, Bradley Philpot, on on this new proposed format. Okay. So first of all, I definitely need to just make it clear. I'm not someone who who would say, no, it's not broken, so you don't need to try and fix it. Just leave everything as it is. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to see change if the thing works and if there's a good reason for it and if it's well thought out. Quite often these things in Formula One don't tend to be well thought out. But my view on this, just initially, having heard what Matt said there is, why? They seem to think that people have an entire weekend that they can just dedicate to watching Formula One, <laughs> including Friday. Yeah. We already, we have a lot of Formula One weekends, obviously in a non-pandemic year, um, even more, but a lot of our weekends are taken up of watching this sport. And I enjoy setting aside some time to watch the race and focus on it and enjoy the main event and the qualifying as well, if I have time to watch that the day before. But it seems like there are now going to be more things that are like more important spread across the whole weekend. So you have to really, in order to follow this properly, you've got to set aside so much time and it seems like it's going to potentially then devalue the main event on the Sunday anyway. It makes it difficult for the casual fans. If they've only got one day to watch, what do they watch? Alex, your voice has done that thing again. You sound so deep and so sexy. It's distracting. <laughs> Quick distracting spanners. Uh, so may I answer that point briefly? Normal qualifying, if you watch it, usually takes an hour. This is a third distance race. The normal Formula One race is 90 minutes. So we're talking about a 30-minute sprint race here. It's not going to be any extra TV time for you. If you watch Saturday qualifying, you get to watch a half-hour race instead of three different sessions of qualifying. But a lot of the casual fans don't turn up. For qualifying they'll catch up with qualifying in the news and stuff afterwards and watch the main event because they haven't got that time and the main event is a thing they want to watch but if you've missed the sprint race you've missed a whole massive amount of information that you can't just read from a timesheet uh, okay now that, that's it's interesting that we've zoned in on the viewer experience straight away I, I think that is valid brad but isn't it also the case that yeah that some people who used to just tune into the race they're not really losing anything extra because well i mean qualifying is now essentially saturday so you can still watch qualifying on saturday which is now just in the form of a sprint race i guess you just miss the qualifying for the qualifying which saying it out loud makes it all start to seem a bit ridiculous doesn't it well i i was led to believe that this sprint race would actually carry points as well um is that is that the case matt um well, here's the fun thing. When we get to the details, they have to work out. And I do want to stick a pin in the idea that I wanted to hear your opinion as a driver, as a competitive driver, if you would like this format better than the format that currently existed 
in Formula One. So, and it may be for different teams, you might have different opinions about it, but I want you to think about it from I'm a driver in a race and now suddenly I have to race for my big race instead of single lap elimination qualifying, sort of what, what goes on now. Um, they are talking about prize money. They are talking about points. So one suggestion is points might be a third. So you might see an eight, six, five, four, two, one for the, for the, for the top people, or you might use an older system that goes to the top eight. The working group is going to decide the details of how that's going to be handled this season. It's also going to decide things like if you win the Friday qualifying, are you the pole sitter? Or if you win the Saturday race, are you the pole sitter? Or if you win the Saturday race, are you a race winner? Because that's going to matter to driver contracts because they get paid differently depending upon different results they turn up. So it's kind of interesting that way. Okay, so my view really does depend a lot on what the final format becomes. Because if it really is a Friday qualifying which sets the grid for a qualifying race and the result of which sets the grid for the main race on the Sunday, then it kind of seems to me like all you're doing is giving the guys in the faster cars just more chance and more time to make their way to the front. So if you didn't qualify on pole and you're in a Mercedes on the Friday, then you'll be on pole by the time you get to the Sunday race for definite. Everyone is going to naturally move further towards yeah, their barring a disaster, the barring a disaster. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a little bit less randomness in terms of the grid positions for the main race. If that's the way it works, if it's just a totally standalone race, I just really don't like the concept because it, it seems to me that it's just diluting the weekend and making it confusing for everyone. And I just, again, why? What What's the reason yeah. for doing this? If you were there at the weekend, if you were a fan at the track, I'd say, okay, cool. We're getting to see another race. Like if it was Formula 2 and you've got the two races over the weekend, there's more stuff to watch and it's more exciting. But the vast majority of people consuming this are not at the track. And obviously this last past year and, the, and this coming year, probably not that many people will be at the track again. So you're, you're kind of changing the format and doing a fundamental major weekend change for not many people's benefit anyway. Uh, Mark Greenow in the live chat says, surely only the saddest of the sad watch Friday practice, Saturday practice, Saturday qualifying and the race on Sunday. Nobody here would spend that much time thinking about F1. The dot, dot, dot makes it seem like he's being ironic but i still feel seen and hurt by by that comment uh jeansy i think brad's got a good point in that what problem are we trying to solve is you know to, yeah. to be fair stuart by collis in the chat has got it spot on which is actually it better not affect the, the poor super cut races because you all know the gold that those things are um <sighs> but no seriously um my issue as well is you spend your junior career doing sprint races there's lots of, it seems like a very junior thing. It's a grassroots build up thing. And then you get to the big show and you get to the big show and you do the big race. It's just, it screams gimmick to me of an extra way of just trying to boost a little bit of ratings. It's nothing to do with the racing. It's nothing to do with what Formula One is supposed to be about, which is excellence um, and the best winning. That's what Formula One is about. It's, and, Unfortunately, when a media company takes it over, there does have to be a show for them. It's American, as as right? concerned, yeah. it doesn't need it. Americans, America, doing America things. Brad first, then Matt. Just very briefly, this particular potential change just strikes me as change for change's sake. I just can't see a, a positive to it, really, or a real reason for it. So I'm going to note that you still haven't answered the question as a driver, would you be in favor of it or not? But before we... Well, let, let him answer that. Answer let, let him answer right, it. Fine, Just let him answer it. Fine. <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of, 
I, I answered it without explicitly stating it in my last um, answer, which is that if you're on a good team, then it then you'll like it because it means if you've screwed up qualifying, you've got longer to get to the front for the main race. Um, if you're in a, a worse team, then you're going to qualify at the back and you're going to be at the back in the short race in the same way that you'd be at the back in the long race. And I don't think it really makes that much difference. Um, maybe you can take more risks, but if you've only got 24 hours or less than that to rebuild the car for the next day, maybe you won't take more risks. So really, what does it change? Okay, I'm going to make the case for the defence that I think I've just come up with here is that the qualifying formats are good when they can introduce some random element. So there has to be the potential for things to go wrong in qualifying. If you just give all the teams an hour to just go out and do the best they can and have infinite laps to go and uh, to go and set a time, you'll pretty much always get the fastest team with the fastest time. And that used to happen. And then we got to the stage where nobody qualified until the last five minutes of qualifying. I don't know if anyone remembers back to those days because it was like no one wanted to lay down rubber for anyone else and what was the point. But you would get quite predictable grids uh, back then, if I'm remembering rightly. So so I think the defence for this is that a sprint race, Matt, is chaos. A sprint race is aggressive. People have got a short amount of time to just go and fight for that grid spot. And you want the likes of a, I don't know, um, who's who's a wild midfield driver, Ocon, just some French wildcard chancer coming through the pack that might just go and, and just ding Bottas's rear wing. He goes down the pack and that's mixed up the deck for Sunday. Okay, so you are on the track that I am thinking about. And so I did some digging. I didn't have enough time to do all the digging I wanted. I wanted to do two things. I wanted to go to the three races and look at where everybody was when the race would have finished. Okay. And then I also wanted to look at pit stops and how long the races were because there's no mention of pit stops having to be made here. But uh, in Monza, last race at Monza, Roughly 18 laps would give you that 100-kilometer distance, and both Leclerc and Latifi wound up making a pit stop before then. Uh, last race in Brazil, which would be about 24 laps, Ricardo Perez, Hamilton, Giovinazzi, Kubica, Verstappen, Raikkonen, Gasly, Fiat, and Russell all made stops before that distance. And in Canada, on obviously both Brazil and Canada go back to 2019 because we didn't race there last year. It's about 23 laps, and although we did have some incidents, we had Albin, Sainz, Raikkonen, Gasly, Ricardo, Kubica, Russell, Perez, Fiat, and Hulkenberg all making stops before the end of the sprint race. So what's going to happen in qualifying is you're going to have to choose, do I qualify on a tire that that can make it through a, a third distance, or do I bet that I can run a softer tire and make it last, or maybe have to make a pit stop, and if I make that stop and can't make up the time... I'm doomed. And the start, think about the start of the last race. Where did Botas fall to? Like 10th place? Yeah. And, and do you have he to... He didn't get all the way back up there. And That's what I'm Do saying. you have to start on the tyre that you finished the qualifying race on? So there's loads of possibilities. Uh, Van Gene. Also, the thing with tyre wear, you've got to remember, they'll be running on a third of the amount of fuel. So the tyre wear actually won't be as bad because they're running on a lot less fuel. And they'll, and they'll just run the harder tire. There's no way they'll risk making a. There's no, no way they'll risk if a tire is if a tire is limited to getting into the race. They won't risk it, and they'll go on the hard tire and push the whole way. I, I, I don't know. So I still think there's some interest in there, and I think what we mustn't do is be close-minded, Matt. You know, we, we don't know. There's so many unknowns that you, there could be just some factor like what you've mentioned there that just makes it the most incredible fun and makes. Does it make the Sunday race better? That's the most important thing for me. Yeah, well, is it fun to watch? 
does it make the race better? And and think about it. If championship points are being awarded, does it change the calculus of the championship over the whole season to have extra extra places where I can lose or pick up points on my rivals? All these things remain to be seen. But as I said, mm-hmm. this is an experiment, and I'm delighted they're going to run it and get some actual results before they make up their mind for good. Yeah, we we, we mustn't shoot people down for like trying a thing although i do think brad's point is valid of love like, well what is it that we are what is it what problem is it that we're trying to solve so from my preference point of view and i think i wonder if anyone disagrees with this if this is going ahead as we think i think a race win in the qualifying race should not count as a grand prix win um but the pole issue that's a little bit different i think you've got to make friday qualifying the pole if those things matter to you know in the statistics of um of formula one but it is a major change it's a major departure in the spirit and the soul of f1 i'm not objecting to it but i'm just saying it's not a it's not a light change that we're embarking on all right good i think we've uh, wrapped that up in a neat bow man i would agree all right it's good well I, I would do like some neat segue to the next topic it's just that then you'll go ah no i have 17 more salient points on not only the sprint format but also the engine freeze so i was just checking just checking in would you reckon I, well no no you i mean could, we could we could talk more about the engine regulations that are nah, coming up now nah, we're all right now nah, sure? nah, i'm fine i spent hours trolling <laughs> I, you know you did you know where they buried the power unit homologation regulations and the technical regulations, Appendix 10. I was going to say, you're going to tell Appendix me, aren't you? 10. But then you did. Appendix yeah. 10. Great. This is, I'm going to play a bumper, then we definitely have to move on. Because you would never interrupt a bumper to go back to a previous topic. Why don't we talk about Mercedes, Matt? Let, let's turn our attention to the champs. And we've not actually spoken about them much of recent no. weeks. And I sort of deliberately stayed away, I think, from Hamilton speculation because I felt like the the news was going to drop any moment and I, i'm glad we didn't spend time talking about it last week because it came out like monday morning i'm like curse you curse you mercedes waiting for our episode to drop but the news is out um lewis hamilton has signed a one-year deal as far as we know so let's go to our kind of most outwardly ham uh, alex jeans evangine i know that you're really happy because this is an opportunity now at least we know that Hamilton is going to get the the chance to fight for an eighth world title. Um, but I, I do want to just say that I never thought it was in doubt that he'd been racing this year. And uh, if you ever feel down on yourself or are doubting yourself, just remember that there are people out there who seriously thought Mercedes might drop a seven-time world champion for an undoubtedly uh, talented but unproven George Russell. Uh, it was never going to happen, was it, Gene? He was, he was always going to race this year. It was always going to happen. It's it's more funny the guys who who thought it was oh it was just because he was asking for a lot of money, but then you actually look at other top flight sportsmen who are actually earning more than Lewis. I think Lewis, as far as contract basis goes, isn't even in the top ten in the world of highest contracts. And Mercedes have said multiple times they make the money back on his contract almost instantly just by having him on board. So money was never the issue. What it turns out, the sticking points was all the foundations and good things he wants to do. So the things that slowed it all down was him trying to be nice to the rest of the world and continuing his legacy with Mercedes once he finishes racing. We, um, Alex, Alex, we do not want Formula One drivers banging on about issues. We just want them to drive unless they're Vettel and um, doing the stuff with the you know diversity for LBGT or Norris with the mental health stuff. That's all fine. But apart from that, we don't want drivers banging on about their issues. 
I'm just happy we're going to get to see him go down. We're going to get to see Sir Lewis Hamilton go down the Lewis Hamilton straight at Silverstone. That I'm that I'm looking forward God, to. Are you really going um, full Hamfosi? You're not even pretending. Oh, are you? oh no, I'm not pretending, not pretending. Um but no, the thing is I think what it will do is the reason he's gone for like the year's contract, which lots of people are really super surprised yeah. about. Oh well, I'm I think not. I was. I think I was. Uh, Tell me why why shouldn't I be surprised? There's a whole new regulation set next year. He's got he's coming to the end of his career, you know, whether he's mm. over the brow with regards to his ability or not. We don't know. He's probably on it, isn't he? He's probably he's there or thereabouts. He's clinging on. He he's can clinging see, on. He can still see um, the top. It's in his wing mirror. Like it's just well, you, there. Well, you could see that. You know, he still hadn't fully recovered quite quickly from the effects of COVID for the last race, and yeah, he was definitely he, still very, very ill. Yeah, he's kind of he old. Thinks yeah. If he was younger, he probably would have recovered from that quicker. Um, but it's that case of I think what he's going to do is he's going to look at um, next year's car halfway through the season and be like okay, I want to drive that car, or okay, I don't want to drive that car. Um, I was just thinking whilst you, were, whilst you were talking there, Alex, that I think in terms of Hamilton's ability, there is so much linked to how much you've previously achieved uh, and then how much effort you are willing to put in. I think I don't think he's actually lost any speed or is at a point where he couldn't be say he'd never won a title at this point I think he'd be just as quick as he's ever been and he would be so hungry for it but when you're already the best that there has ever been statistically uh, you know and you believe that inside and you know you're on the verge of being completely you know ahead of everyone if you get your next title I think it's going to be difficult for him to maintain that hunger into a whole new regulation set when you've got so many very fast young chargers who still do have that hunger because he's kept them away from a title for the last few years. Especially because if he turns up in 2022, doesn't really do very well. Mercedes don't hit the ground running with a really good car and Max Verstappen takes the title and then he retires, he'll look like he's run away. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I will sympathise, surprise, surprise, with Lewis Hamilton in a way, because like Brad is saying, he's what, he's 35? 
So, you know, for a top-level athlete, that's... He's 36. Yeah, that's real. That's, like, real old. Like, um, for a top-level athlete, no offence to, to Brad. That's a perfectly good age for a GT driver, though, isn't it? That's, that's still... Yeah, it's young for a GT driver. Okay, okay. So you're still... still it's 20 years older than that. Is, is that right? Okay, well, that's good then. Um, but for, for Lewis, in a way, he saw off his generation pretty much. He saw off the guys that he came through with, that he was competing with. He positioned himself you know, with the best car a lot of the time. He beat his main rival at the time, which was Sebastian Vettel at Ferrari. He beat off, um, he beat off um, Rosberg. <laughs> he beat him off. That's a perfectly valid, stop it, stop everyone. Stop. That's a perfectly fine phrase to say. Uh, he beat him to three titles out of one. What, Alex, what should I have said instead? Alonso? Yes, Alonso as well. In his first yeah, yeah. Season. First season. So, so he's proved himself against that generation of Formula One drivers. There was a lot of speculation that he had a veto on the teammate. Well, the fact that he only had a, a year's contract and that Bottas already had a contract for that year kind of completely dismisses any notion that he was ever going to get a veto on his teammate. And Mercedes flat out said, no, uh, team driver selection is a, a team matter. But I wouldn't blame him for at this stage in his career, wanting a little bit of control within the team. Because in, in a way, Brad, isn't it a little, like, it's daunting if you're an older driver to go, what, am I going to let some real young upstart come in here, he's earned nothing, he's done nothing, he's proved nothing, come and mug me for a season and diminish my legacy a little bit. I, I think you're perfectly entitled at that point to go, Do you know, I can protect myself a bit, even though it's not really turned out to be true. Yeah, you've spent a decade and a half nearly like building this reputation and record of success. And then in one season, which could, you know, could just be an anomalous season where things just don't go your way. Or like I was saying before, the other driver is just a bit more hungry and just and just pushes that bit harder in the preparation or whatever. It could all kind of look a bit tainted at the end. And so I, I do tend to agree with Alex that I think maybe if Lewis tries the 2022 car and doesn't particularly gel with it or just doesn't really feel the fire that he, he really wants to continue into this next era. Um, or he gets a hint that maybe another team might potentially threaten um, Mercedes dominance um, in 2022. I think maybe he will take the opportunity to call it a day. I don't think he feels desperate to stay anymore. I think once you've become the best of all time and, and everybody can see that you, you really only have, things to lose at that point by continuing unless you really really want to and i don't see that in hamilton so we know that he set up a organization i think with mercedes like like a lot of this uh, delay was they're setting up some outside organizations to work on things charities but i want to second what brad is saying um in terms of being as dominant and as good as you are he shows up, he gets in the car, he's fastest, he wins most of the races, he wins the championship. It looks really easy on television, but coming from music, where you know you could play something for someone, they're like, oh, wow, that sounds really great, that looks like it's so easy for you, and you think, well, yeah, it is easy once you discount the fact that I've trained to do this since I was about 10 years old, and I spend multiple hours a day trying to get slightly better at it, even now at my advanced and mostly decrepit age. <laughs> And you are absolutely right to, to be the best in the world at something takes a level of dedication, discipline, and focus that is, 
it, it's hard to express even, you know, and I've just like touched the suborbital capacity of where he is. Hmm. And, and so, uh, yeah, he really might be at the end of what he thinks himself capable of at this point. I also think Lewis Hamilton is viewed and treated uh, differently to, to other drivers. He is a divisive character for whatever reason you want to say. It, it is just true. He comes under a lot more criticism even than Schumacher did in his time, which th- there was a fair amount of anti-Schumacher sentiment. Um, sorry for my my part in that. Uh, but they, they were the big bad. They were the Death Star. I know uh, we've we've got some Schumacher fans on the panel. I think Kyle is a big Schumacher fan. Um, but um, for Hamilton, the stakes are slightly higher when it comes to legacy. So if he does come along and have some young buck come and beat him in his last season and then he retires, that will absolutely be used by people to say, that is proof that it was all along, it was just the best car. Even though, you know, he won th- two of those titles, three of those titles, two of those titles with a, a good teammate in his car, even though he won against Vettel with that very competitive Ferrari. That's what people will say. And I don't think anyone would have done that at the end of a, the Schumacher era or, or, you know, or other great champions just because they lost one season. It, it denigrates their whole, uh, their whole career. But there is the potential for that with Hamilton. So I think Hamilton's got a few more factors to consider. Uh, but Matt, from a contract point of view, it looks like it is a year with a year's option. I'm not an expert in legal things, but what I see that as is a sense. No, hang on. We're speculating that it's a year with a year option. That is what was widely rumored and speculated. If it is that, then what it really is, it's a two year contract. It's really a two year contract, but both parties have a, a way to go out. All it, all it means is you don't have to sit and negotiate again for that second year because there's a default. So if there's any kind of disagreement or anyone wants to change the contract and there's no agreement, you default into it's just a two year contract. It would take Mercedes going, no, we really were fed up of you. So we're not taking that option or Hamilton retiring or, or taking another offer. But for, for, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's a two year contract. Is there yeah. something valiant and, um, and noble about a top level driver just trying to continue even after they're past their best it's until they know for sure. Like, I mean, it doesn't look good for your for your image. Like for Legacy. Vettel, for example, if Vettel had um, retired after he had won his four titles, he would have gone off and we probably would have all been sitting here thinking, wow, if he had continued, he would still have been superb for you know a number of years afterwards. And we might have had a slightly higher opinion than we do of him right now, although we can put that right in the coming season maybe. But other drivers who have carried on until they have faded a bit and then bowed out knowing okay I'm I'm maybe past it now is there something noble to that like is it can you be brave doing that in other sports I think you can so for example you can have someone like Teddy Sheringham who's top level Champions League winner England striker came and did a season as Colchester United player manager right got paid a million quid basically bankrupt the club and then bogged off cheers Teddy but you can do that in football and have a career in the lower leagues. It seems much more accepted. Whereas in Formula One, there's much more of a heavyweight boxer kind of attitude where you're a prize fighter. And once you get knocked off the top, once you're past your best, it seems like people are less interested. I mean, we write Formula One drivers off now, Alex, if they have like a bad season against their teammate, you go, well, well they got beaten by Hulkenberg that one time. So, pfft. 
the the difference is is with something like football it's a team sport and you can be the older guy in a younger team and they can carry you but it's seen that you're just losing a little bit of your pace which is always the thing they always talk about and then you can go right i've done i've done my time now i'll have enough and you're right in with 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 sports where you're on your own it's i'm the best until i'm not the best anymore and if i'm not the best i'm past it and f1 of course is a team sport but we're talking about the perception in the media yeah, for the legacy. And uh, Mike Stoner in the live chat brings up uh, Damon Hill to Arrows. Of course, that was very much a forced move as well. And I don't, as much as we all enjoyed in Britain that Damon Hill title, I don't think anyone's putting Damon Hill up in kind of Lewis Hamilton, Vettel, Prost, Senna uh, territory. No offence to Damon Hill. Great driver, great pundit. Alex? I think Damon knew he was being kicked out of that team long before the end of the season and before he was even winning the title, I think, yeah. if I remember rightly from his book. Yeah, all right. Well, then, Matt. Well, there we go. That's interesting. Once again, I'm just going to confirm that we're all right, that everything's wrapped up in a neat bow. We good? Yeah, it is. Um, but interestingly enough, for the rest of the Mercedes story, Ooh, uh, okay. we, were, we were fortunate enough to have, and I'm going to say this name, I think it's Howell Thomas, but it's spelled H-Y-W-E-L, so I don't really have any idea how it's pronounced. I'm just going to pronounce the name that comes closest to it that I know how to pronounce and hope that it's close enough. I did a lovely little YouTube thing. He's taken over from Andy Cowell at Bricksworth, as I'm sure you all recall, um, about the challenges of the new season engine. And I probably relearned, but had forgotten that not only... Uh, were they going to be limited to just the one power unit homologated throughout the whole season, which is a pretty big change. So if they get it wrong, they can't just show up with the second engine having made those changes. Those those changes can't be introduced. They're only going to be able to introduce in between season. But that they're actually limiting the dyno testing of the engines this season for the first time. Dyno testing is where you put the engine on. Uh, in in a non-car and you test it uh, for different capacities so as to help with your development that previously was unlimited it's now limited and it's uh, much like the cost cap it's going to be a glide path down to even fewer hours and i know you want to know so they're allowed nine total benches 6400 occupation hours and 800 testing hours this season and and all of you stats nerds you're welcome for those numbers but also brought up the important issue we haven't really talked about the fact that there's so little time between the end of last season and the beginning of this season and he mentioned crucially that they have some quote issues but they think they'll be sorted for the start of testing excellent well let's move on to a different story Nah. <laughs> I got at least one segue in because we're going to talk about William Story, who is the, I guess, CEO of Rich Energy. And you will recall that they were the title sponsor and had livery rights to Haas F1. There was a, it was a controversial tenure, and he is certainly a controversial character within Formula One. There was an acrimonious split. With, uh, with Haas F1, with William Story of Rich Energy claiming very much that they had sacked, <laughs> he uses those words, that they had sacked Haas, and he is now looking forward, um, looking forward to returning to F1. 
with lots of hashtags, Matt. Hashtag comeback. Hashtag entrepreneur. Hashtag Valentine's Day. Hashtag announcement. Hashtag William Story. He hashtagged himself. He hashtagged himself. Hashtag William Story. And That's to... a sad thing to do on Valentine's Day. Hashtag yourself. Look, hey, self-hashtagging. You know, I'm not judging. Just try hashtagging with a, a friend or, a, a you know, a partner. A, a partner yeah. So... so Today, he announced, they pre-announced the announcement that they were going to do a big announcement today in uh, on Twitter, 2 p.m. UK time, that this was going to be the big comeback in F1, Matt. You know, because always announcing an announcement, that's always a good idea. I'm going to announce the announcement of my announcement shortly. Thank you for joining me. You know, the funny question that I really had after he said that he sacked Haas, because he mentioned before that he talked to Williams, my only thought was like, if he sacked Haas for poor performance, what would have happened to poor Williams? You know, I mean, think about it. Well, the, well, this is a, the speculation, isn't it? Well, what if he's making a comeback? What team are they making a comeback into? So, look, I'll take them at their word. There is going to be an announcement at 2 p.m. So everyone was all excited and waiting because I, I'll, I'll say it. It's a freak show in F1, isn't it? Uh, Brad, That's I mean, that's not harsh. I mean, you've had some run-ins with Williams' story on, on Twitter. He is a incredibly outspoken character with wild statements. And it, it, some people will say, well, why are you giving me, him airtime? Why are you, uh, you know, giving it exposure? Because I can't look away. I, can't, I just can't. I can't look away. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's a train wreck. It's as, as kind of spoken uh, on our WhatsApp group earlier today, our media expert, Chris, um, who, whose job it is to, PR, is to yeah. put out press releases for race teams and that yes. kind of thing, was listing off the bad things um, <laughs> that was he? I were that. incorporated into today's announcement, but, but anything to do with rich energy. Um, and it is, like I said, just a train wreck. Every single element from the uh, building up an announcement and then not doing it at the time you say you're going to do it, to then missing the second deadline, to then filming on a phone in portrait mode with no tripod wobbling around some rambling statement, which mm. then by mistake, because they didn't even know Twitter had a limit on video length, then was cut off in the middle and then continued a few minutes later to say <laughs> nothing at all. It, by the end of it, it's just every single part. It's like a parody and I couldn't take my eyes off it because it was so entertainingly bad. Someone in our patron group Matt suggested that William Story was perhaps a hired actor from F1, like WWE style, to like come in, like when there's nothing happening, he comes into the ring going, yeah, we're going to make a comeback. Yeah, it reminds me of Magnum P.I., where <laughs> where he was just hired to play, to play the, the, the writer instead of being the, he, instead of the guy was hired to play the writer. And it was actually the butler all along that wrote the stories and was actually the rich person. But I'll tell you what I love about it. Because if you do listen to what he said, basically what he said was, my rich friend bought, bought an investment in a Formula One team and he's going to make me a partner. That's literally all that he said. I don't think he even said that. I think he said, my rich friend of an undisclosed name or, or someone who <laughs> we're closely associated with has agreed to buy it. They haven't, they haven't even done it. It's all like, and we all know how quickly this kind of thing falls down in Formula One. People have an agreement and then it never comes through. Mm. It's like 
you're announcing that someone you know might in the future be purchasing part of a Formula One team and they might then let you put your sticker on their car. It's just terrible. And let us not forget that he blamed Perez for keeping him from buying okay, Force yeah. India. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. too was a really entertaining subplot in his five minutes of announcement. So I'm going to play the last minute, which was on the second video. So we'll set this up um, and and it will come in halfway through a sentence because like the two videos were split like just mid-sentence. So as part of that rant, he was going to buy Force India, but he was basically robbed of it by Perez putting them in administration and it was sold to Lawrence Stroll, even though him him and his Russian backers, so I guess Mazepin, uh, had yeah. bid more. I'm just spe- guessing, but probably that had bid more. And he, he, so basically saying it's a, it's terrible that Stroll w- was able to buy it over him. I mean, who else did he slag off, Brad? He, slug, he slagged off Haas. Um, he, he denigrated William's financial position and saying that oh, we, they're, they're solved by our friends, he said. Uh, 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 Darillion Capital Dalton Dalton Capital and then he also obviously slated Haas and said that we had to fire them for their terrible on-track and off-track performance yeah and I just also wanted to mention that so sorry there are just so many elements of this that are cringe that I was having to pause the video to say to speak to my other half and say what really when he's saying that um, that Stroll got the team even though he was offering less money. It's like, yeah, because he has a, a business plan in place and like a strategy to to make the team good as, as has been played out, you know, someone with proper backing, with a proper plan. And now the team is going to be a factory backed car yeah, manufacturer. And a, and a history of like business success as well. So <laughs> it's not just about putting down, you know, a little bit more initially. They obviously analysed the proposals and found that Story had nothing of substance to to keep the team going long term and the other parties did it's like who are they going to take a crazy bloke with apparently some money or a worldwide renowned business billionaire who they could ran, probably buy the sport if he wanted to they ran with half a season with the logo of a bicycle company that they'd stolen like it's just nuts white bikes go go and support white bikes on on twitter and so I'm, I'm going to play that, that clip now. I think we've set it up enough. But basically, the second half is essentially his is the actual announcement, if, if you want to call it that. And I'm, I'm being kind of generous. And after failing to do, uh, after failing to, to actually meet the deadline for the announcement, after saying he was announcing a comeback and then missing the deadline, they came back on eventually uh, around half three with this shaky cam <laughs> footage. And I'm just going to play it because it, it speaks for itself. Here's the actual announcement. ITV. It's actually a few hundred thousand uh, on Sky. Like I said, it come in mid-sentence because they just whacked the videos in half when it, whenever they felt like it. The subsequent uh, damage that has done to sponsorships has meant that there's a number of different teams. For example, McLaren have done a sale and lease back of their Woking Technology Centre. Williams were in parlous financial problems uh, until they were bailed out by our friends at Doralton Capital. Um, 
And obviously even Haas have now had to go for pay drivers because of their weak financial position. So I've been looking for a way in which rich energy can return optimally, both for us and to help the team that we're going to work with. Serendipitously, a strategic ally of rich energy has purchased or has agreed to purchase a majority stake in an existing team. We did explore with the new regulations actually entering our own team for 2022, which would be rich energy uh, Formula One team. But a friend of ours has agreed a deal for a a majority stake in a Formula One team, and we will become a partner of that team for 2021. Um, Once that acquisition is announced, we will become the title sponsor for 2022. I'm really looking forward to competing with our competitors on track. I'll be at the first race, March the 28th in Bahrain, and I look forward to seeing you all there. I mean, wow. Just, just wow, Brad. Well, I mean, if he is at the first race, um, he, we won't see much of him because he refuses to wear a hashtag slave muzzle right. um, and he'll have to stay <laughs> okay. in the motorhome mm. um, because he won't be allowed in the paddock due to COVID restrictions and he doesn't really believe in the whole COVID thing. So the guy is um, yeah. is difficult in other areas aside from non-payment of sponsorship. Scamdemic, am I right? Am I right? So we have reached out to... William Story, uh, not to, I'm not going to sit and pretend. If he was to come on and talk to us at Miss Apex, I would, I would love it. I would love to get his side of the story and understand what it is that I don't understand. However, we will not pretend that we're talking to him in any other capacity than people who are baffled and confused by what, what he said. So firstly, I doubt there was going to be a rich energy team. We looked into it. That could just mean I looked into it and realised I didn't have half a billion dollars to even get me going but the the claim is so tenuous matt it's it's almost not worth exploring but it is but the actual claim is a a strategic ally so my mate is going to buy some of an f1 team wait 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 no he's not he's he's agreed to buy uh, some of an f1 team and if he does then in 2022 i guess we might be a partner in that it it for pantomime in the F1 news cycle on the 14th of February, that was, that was, that made my day. That was, that was so much fun. I loved it. Well, I, I'm going to point, um, point out uh, that what Brad said is actually the smartest analysis of all of this. Because when we were talking about who was going to buy Force India, Mazapan is the one who brought the Mazepin, court case. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mazapan Sr. here uh, brought the Mazepin, court case yeah. and lost it. And if he's talking about being done out by that deal because Perez put them into administration, then what he's really saying is his rich friend is Mazapan. And the question is, which team exactly is he going to buy a stake in? Potentially, possibly, maybe in the future if they announce it and it doesn't all just fall apart. And if this wasn't all just for them to get some free publicity Mm. anyway, which in all honesty would be kind of what most people think it is right now. So I know Matt is going to have to bounce in a little while. We have got one topic for after when when Matt goes. Uh, it's for a good reason. Are we allowed to say? Should we say? Can we say, Matt? Can we say uh, why? Yeah, yeah, you can totally say. You're getting your jab. You're getting jabbed up as an old fella. You're top of the queue. So you're going to be immune. Yep, I, I am. I am going to get my second dose nice. of the Moderna vaccine. So I'll happily talk about that on our next Remain Indoors which is Thursday, 2 p.m. UK time or available on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, So before you go, do you have time quickly to round up the story? 
Um, I do have time to round it up, and I just want to be very clear that the reason I am eligible for this is not my age, mm, because the age it? is 65 well, and older here in New York. Which and I'm is not your age. Yet, well, but we because I am a teacher, and oh. that became a category in New York City okay. that was moved into vaccine, because there, there have been people accused of line jumping. Mm-hmm. I want to be very clear that I am not taking advantage of these regulations yeah. to get my vaccine. And we can definitely... I, I really yeah. do fall into a real category. And here. we can confirm that he is not independently wealthy enough to just somehow jump the queue. He's a, he's yeah, a musician. enough, quite frankly. He's a musician, for goodness sake. So the last thing on this um, uh, William story, story is which team is he talking about? I think the front runner, oddly enough, is probably, is probably has, do you reckon, Gene Z? It is actually basically a Russian-backed... Haas hook up once again, just not with Haas. So it'd be like rich energy Mazepin F1 or something. Yeah, um, that seems like the feasible option if if Gene Haas doesn't want to continue and they're not making the money they want to make, um, or unless Ferrari want to drop Alpha. Well, well the thing is, is there any, any other feasible yeah, option? Here's the other. Here's the thing with um, uh, Alpha Romeo. I assume you're talking about, which is that Alpha Romeo are only. Oh, I say only. They're only a title sponsor, really. I mean, this is still Sauber, isn't it? That F one team, uh, I believe so. But yeah, they are yeah. they are a title sponsor. So, but yeah, if but if Ferrari pull the Alfa Romeo money, yeah, there's no more there's no more team left. So, uh, the the main candidate, ironically, is Haas, and then an outsider would be would be Alfa Romeo. But I think Gene Haas would do everything he possibly could to not have Rich Energy take it over. Oh, I, I would agree with you. Um, and so it does present an interesting conundrum in that you have Mazepin at Haas, Haas definitely looking for more investment. But at the same time, you absolutely have the fact that they have this history that's, that will be very much, I mean, I could see maybe Haas selling the team off and it just becomes Mazepin's team. But if he's still going to be part of it, I, I think he would not want to let Richard's story within 150 million kilometers. Well, well, William Story. Why have you given him my first name? William Story. You just said Richard's story. Oh, I apologize. You must think that me and him are exactly Because it's the rich same. energy. That's there what. we go. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun tweeting along this saga with our account at Poor Energy. So thinking about it, it should have been P-O-U-R because it's a drink. But I went with P-O-O-R, Energy. Go and follow us at Poor Energy on Twitter and, uh, well, laugh along with us for as long as it lasts. Now, Matt, uh, we're going to say goodbye to you. But the links to Matt's uh, articles to Reddit and for the audio versions, you've basically you and your co-conspirators at the F1 subreddit have been reading them out. And Mist Apex have provided a audio feed, audio platform for that. It's, it's going to be fantastic. I think we've backed a winning horse here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this develops. And follow Matt at MattPT55 as well on Twitter. Godspeed, sir, and have a good vaccination. Thank you much, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us at Mist Apex Podcast. I still have one more topic lined up. We're going to talk tyres. It's really ironic, given that Matt has gone and we're now going to talk about tyres. It's not just because I hate Matt and, and, uh, and, want to, and want to upset him. Honestly, it's not. It's because we actually do have an out-and-out tyre specialist on the panel today. Uh, but first of all, I want to get in my normal plugs of saying, come and support us at patreon.com forward slash Apex. 
I want to make clear that when I say that, you know, some of the streams are going Patreon, patron, patrons only, most of them, the vast majority are going to be completely open to everyone and be free. And the, all the normal episodes, race reviews, weekly stuff remains free. We're not trying to put mistake packs behind a paywall, but we do have some perks for the patrons, which is that when we don't feel like having a big active live stream, we can have a live stream like this where we've only had 120 people drop in and it's a bit more relaxed. You'll get that at the $1 tier and then you can have your own feed that you add to your podcast player for $2 at the $2 tier that removes any of the adverts that we put in. And at $5, that unlocks everything. You get our extra content where we do our Friday post-practice, I guess, or post-qualifying maybe this season episodes. We just put a little stream together where me, Matt, and maybe one of the panel speak in a very, very relaxed way about how we see the upcoming weekend. And we've got our Patreon Slack group as well, which you can come and join us out. Patreon.com forward slash Mistapex. The link is in the show notes below. Click that. And if you're on YouTube, click like and subscribe. Do all of those things. All right. I told you we have a tyre expert. It's not Van Jean. Sorry about that. It is Brad Philpot. Brad, as well as being a uh, super duper racy driver guy, you are professionally like a professional tyre tester. Tyre companies turn to you to say, we've made this tyre. Is it good? And you go, yeah, it's all right, I guess. But like, you, I've seen some crazy stuff with you at work, like skidding around snow, snow tracks, skidding around icy warehouses. Um, your job does seem very fun. Yeah, so um, my normal day job, yeah, every day I'm out on a, on a test track driving on different types of tyre, comparing them to a control tyre most of the time um, and writing assessments of how they performed um, in all different areas in a very similar way to how I would um, relate back to engineers on a race test day. Right. Uh, because although we're talking about road tyres the vast majority of the time, um, they, you still, they still perform or they're judged on their performance over a lap. Um, quite often so although we do lots of objective you know yeah. s- test with sensors and things on the car for, for braking distances we still test the grip level and the the balance the transient balance and all that kind of thing by driving them as fast as possible around a dry track and a wet track so are all the people doing your job for various companies around the world do they look to race drivers to do that kind of work specific job so that kind of um, subjective handling assessment um driver yes uh, you'd need to be um you need to be a, a very competent track driver uh, and hopefully high level race driver in order in order to um, have the confidence that what they were saying was definitely worth listening to and just as an example our, i'm our european test driver for the company i work for in the us the guy who does the same job as me is a former indie pro driver oh, you know, right. on, on the ladder to indycar so um so yeah for this particular job that's generally the background of people and then you learn a lot more skills once you're in the job because you have to learn a bit more about you know the building of the tires and what goes into the development of them and all the different things that make a tire good or bad in different situations so what would be the difference between like yourself and uh, our good friend Alex Van Jean here, who's a very good race. And and Alex, you you talk about when you're karting, like you are very much a a bum feel driver, and that's why like you you rate kind of your your karting. You rate yourself as a better karter than a sim racer, for example, because you 100%. drive you drive through your butt. Basically, I, I I I in a car, I am literally on the limit as much as I can be through as much of the lap as possible, um, because I can feel the grip and that's where 
me and sim racing don't quite mix because of a bit yes. of a disconnect. And However, you... I have learned I have learned of a device that you can put under your butt and it rumbles in all four corners. So I'm going to try and get myself try and figure out where they come from and get one get one of them. Okay, so what you're telling me is that you want a vibration device for your butt for your leisure time. Yeah. Okay, good. Just no, hope hey. my wife doesn't find out. Just me, it's not. I'm not judging. But my question to you, Brad, would be: Where do you differ from uh, someone who's a very good top level carter like Alex Van Jean? What gives you the edge when it comes to tyre testing? So I have no doubt that if I had, if we had two different sets of tyres that looked the same and, and, and to all intents and purposes were basically the same tyre with the same branding on the side, if I gave both of those sets to Alex and told him to go off for 20 minutes and set some laps, he would probably come back with two sets of lap times and have the best lap time set on the better set of tyres. But the difference is I have three laps to assess the tyre um, give a, a very definite opinion on it, write a very detailed report on all of the traits of that tyre in each of the different types of corner and and be fully confident that I extracted the maximum from that immediately with no time wasted. Because obviously, if you take, say, four or five or six laps to get up to speed and really get a, a feel for this particular tyre, the temperature has completely changed. The surface of the tyre has completely changed. It, it's too late. You need to be able to judge the tyre in identical conditions to the next set, which means... On the same lap, you have to be completely confident that you have extracted everything from it and you can confidently talk about the traits of it. Uh, and I w- without wanting to denigrate Alex in any way, I think you probably agree that that having not been a high-level race driver and spent years and years and years sat in race cars doing that kind of thing every day, you probably wouldn't be confident to do that, that specific job. Um, and, and that would be the same for most, I'd say, mm. you know, uh, track drivers, whether it's a hobby kind of track driver or maybe like a, a club level race driver. And the the, the reason that I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm introducing that, apart from the fact that I, I do find that, you know, fascinating. I would never have thought before meeting you, to be honest, that there was some dude going and thrashing our road tyres to like assess them for safety and performance. I always find it a little bit weird that road cars are, are ever assessed on performance but I'm sure, like, you know, there are people out there who are like, oh, to get to Tesco's, I need the absolute best, like, grip on my, on my, oh, but you're one of them. <laughs> you're one of them. You have an unnecessarily amazing road car. It's not really, that isn't why we do these kind of tests. I'm not testing a kind of standard premium road tire to see if it's the best on track because people care about that. It's because the situations where you need absolute peak level grip are the emergency situations. When you have to swerve around something at the last minute, that's when in an instant, suddenly you're asking the maximum performance from that tire. You're not driving it on a track, but you're putting it through that similar scenario where you need immediate um, grip and balance and not too much of one thing or another, you know, understeer, oversteer, um, you need response, all that kind of thing. You're not, you're not really driving it in a track situation, but, you need it to do its job as best as possible. And the magazines who rate various tires, um, they do all these same kind of tests as we do. So it, your tire will sell better if it performs better in those areas. And obviously it goes through a, a heck of a lot more tests than those kind of things I'm doing. There are lots of other safety tests um, that go on as well. So you, you, you should like join Matt for like tire specials when he's going off on one about like F1 tires and stuff. Does what you do give you a better understanding of what F1 drivers and like the Pirelli tyre situation go through. I mean, you also drive in race series and understand the effects that that has on lap time and competitiveness. Yeah, I'd like to think it gives me a a broader understanding, even though the the materials going into the tyre do sometimes vary and and 
they're quite different in a race tire um but we, we we have a racing division in the company i work for and there is some kind of bleed over of um of technology and and concepts so it's quite interesting when the race guys and the road tire guys get together for, <laughs> for a meeting i always enjoy those so so I've, I've got i've got lost in what you were talking about if i'm honest brad which is a testament to how interesting you made that um but what i wanted to talk about actually was groove tires in f1 and this is just a, a random conversation you and i had during the week where you said you wanted to sit and tell me about how uh, why groove tires were bad and i was i was a little surprised i mean let's find out where where jeansy sits on that as well because i've always said i like taking away some of the tools that formula one drivers had and i always felt that groove tires was was one of those weapons that we had to take away grip from f1 drivers so i was like yeah groove tires brilliant yeah make it harder make it so you've got less grip where do you stand on that i never liked the groove tires i thought they looked rubbish for an racing racing cars have slick tires that's the way it should have been (laughs) and we had it for a really long time i think it's 11 years or something we had groove tires for yeah it was ages Um, yeah it it seems like a really someone thought why don't we just lob off a load of the a load of the rubber rather than actually thinking of an intelligent way to make the car slower um and we ended up with these atrocious groove tires that nobody liked so the thing that annoyed me it was two fronts so first of all having groove tires in formula one in for dry weather it gave the general public this really annoying view (laughs) that grooves in tires give you more grip which is just obviously the opposite of what's true unless you're talking about an off-road tire and you're talking about knobbly tires um, or you're in the wet and you're trying to disperse water. Yeah, because if um, F1 has it, then it must be brilliant. Precisely. So I was having arguments with people when I was kind of college age where they were saying, well, no, of course, grooves in a road tyre give you more grip because why would Formula One have it if it if it didn't make it better? And I'd always be saying, no, but they, they wanted to slow the cars down. And and the person would say, yes, it helps you slow the car down. It gives you more grip. And I'd say, no, I mean, they, they needed them to have less grip in the corners. So they took away some of the rubber that would have been touching the floor. Um, and they, they would then say, well, surely that's, that's ridiculous. They want to make it safer. You give it more grip, not less grip. And I would be absolutely um, crying with frustration. But anyway, so that's the first reason it was annoying. The second reason was if you want there to be less contact patch, if you want there to be less surface area on the floor, why not just make the tyres narrower and not have grooves? Why Why cut away parts of the tread that are already there? Anyway, it just it annoyed me because it seemed so artificial and I thought it looked a bit rubbish. Okay, so let's talk about then the actual effect that the groove tyres had. So firstly, was the idea correct that we wanted tyres that gave drivers less grip? It, it was solving a problem, which is that the cars were on rails. I mean, you could argue Paul DeResta, certainly. The Mercedes is on rails, wait, new. Um, we've definitely got that now. Did it solve that problem? Did it stop F1 cars being on rails? Did it work? Yeah. So essentially, I think the the main reason behind it was the apex speeds, the cornering speeds yeah. were so high that if something went wrong in the corner, the runoff areas weren't large enough to to stop the driver hitting the barrier at a high speed and the crashes would be more dangerous because you were going through the corners more quickly. So to take away some of that grip, they removed some of the surface area of the tyre by putting in these grooves. And I don't know exactly how many centimetres it was, but just as a rough guess, Maybe if you add each of them up, is it maybe 10 or 15 centimetres worth of groove? Maybe slightly less. But anyway, that much less rubber touching the floor means you've got significantly less grip because that's quite a lot of uh, missing um, contact patch and therefore they were slower. Um, 
I'm taking this from the chat and I'm taking it from Carl Power because I generally agree with him anyway on most things with this kind of stuff. He says, they took the wrong tool away. Uh, mechanical grip is king for good racing and he's completely right. Okay, Brad, help us with... I mean, in fact, Alex, help us with that. What do you mean? What do you mean by mechanical grip? Mechanical grip. So you get aerodynamic grip, which is obviously the air passing over the car, which pushes the car to the ground, which creates the car to stick to the ground. Um, the mechanical grip is things like the tyres and the suspension that move with the um, mechanics of the car to give to bring more grip. Um, and you can take aero grip away and they've just got less overall overall downforce. But taking away but giving them less grip on the surface of the tire means things like overtaking is more difficult because you've got less to play with when you're on the limits you agree with that brad yeah yeah exactly we've had this this has been kind of a topic of conversation for decades now but yeah we we kind of for better racing we want more mechanical grip or or a higher proportion of the grip to come from the tires touching the ground uh, and less of it from the aero because you're affected so badly mm. following other cars. Whereas if that grip is generated from the tires, then that isn't a problem. Being near another car doesn't really affect you. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with Kyle as well, that it was the the wrong answer to that particular problem. Okay, but at the time, didn't it, didn't it kind of solve the issue they had? I've, I've long felt, and this is a completely outsider point of view, I've long felt that there is political reasons for maintaining the amount of aero in f1 there seems to be a political will to maintain being really efficient in a wind tunnel as a industry and you have to remember that formula one is really linked alex with for example the defense industry a lot of people who work in formula one will end up working in aerospace and stuff like that so it feels like there was some other drivers for maintaining aerodynamics and they were desperately searching around for something else to hobble and the thing they could go for was was the tires the tire companies obviously also agreed to it because i think i do remember at the time i don't know whether it's michelin or bridgestone saying that it did help them make this connection between their road tires and their race tires in the public's eyes which is the thing that i was saying annoyed me road relevant alex with regards to the aero thing i think a lot of it's got to do with when aero came in teams developed teams spent so much on their aero departments that the aero departments are such a massive part of the business now yes. that stripping them away is a massive part of their business that's taken away also this might be more me thinking it and a bit controversial i think it's got a lot to do with adrian newey i think people love adrian newey in the sport he's mr aerodynamics regardless of how good or bad that that red bull's been aerodynamically the last few years um he constantly complains about the aero regulations being too limiting and i think that's something because he's got quite a lot of weight in that area i think it leans quite hard on that and it's a it's a complete business model change to move away from aerodynamics yeah and and sports do it all the time they manipulate the the rules to suit their superstars so I don't know anything about American football, but the only name I know is Tom Brady. So I gather with football, they would never change the rules to make the quarterback irrelevant because that seems to be, you know, the big star. And in in football, the keepers are underrated, for example. So would they change the size of the goalpost to be bigger or smaller? And in F1, we have a lot more fluid regulations. So if the aero department are the superstars and are the political heavyweights, then that's why they will look around for different tools. And we end up with a kind of, I guess it would be seen that that era, Brad, as somewhat of an anomaly within Formula One that we ended up with very high downforce cars with just 
random bits of the tire stripped away. If we had had gone for like 1950s style narrow wheels, would that have been a better path? Would that have stuck around? Would that have survived for longer? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, the other option is just make tires that have less grip. You don't have to take away portions of the the surface. You can just make the tires harder. Um, I, I, that's another thing that's just a bit strange. You know, we we've kind of with the Pirelli era where we've got a single manufacturer, we we have achieved kind of that goal. I guess I guess I've answered my own question there. Probably the reason they couldn't do that is because we had a tire war at the time, and you. You couldn't tell the tire manufacturers to make the tires have less grip because then yeah. they wouldn't be as good as the other tire manufacturer. And we actually saw them going to the lengths that they would deliberately run the tires down to zero tread, uh, zero grooves in order to have a, a bigger contact patch again. So it was kind of <laughs> yeah. deliberately wearing the tires down. And there was all sorts of other other kind of tricks that they were doing with squarer shoulders and that kind of thing. So. So yeah, I think the tire war maybe was playing a bigger factor than I was thinking. So are you telling me in the end, my long running desire to go back to groove tires has been misplaced? That's what I'm hearing, Brad. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, they're rubbish. Has this whole conversation come around because we saw Alonso driving his old Renault with them on uh, Abu Dhabi? Is that the reason this conversation's he, come about? Because I haven't heard about groove tires. He, he had them on, didn't he? he? Had slicks. No, I'm pretty sure he was running modern Pirelli slicks. Mm. Yeah, why it yeah. looked a bit weird. The, uh, Abu Dhabi wasn't the first time he went out in it, though, was it? I think he went out in it before. I might be wrong, but I, I swear I heard them talking about the groove tyres. They might have been saying because they weren't on it, but I never so, saw the So actually, that's not the reason. The reason we're having this conversation is because Brad just flew in the face of common decency and actually just phone called me randomly in the middle of the day, which I have to say I found very jarring, alarming, and intrusive as much as i like you brad phone calls are weird don't don't call people considering me and brad talk like two or three times a week <laughs> it's you're the one who you're the one who's I out know, the norm I here know, I know. <laughs> uh, no i know no i do check myself when i'm about to call you spanners i do think <laughs> oh i know he thinks this is weird but he did also say that we should keep in touch during lockdown so maybe i'll just do it anyway i have changed my mind during lockdown to some extent it was lovely to hear from you and i have said and I know this is not F1 or motorsport related, but in these very difficult times, you know the people that are struggling. Pick up the phone, call them, order a random rose to your aunt and get it delivered and say, I'm just thinking about you. All those little things. But when we return back to normal free society in the post-COVID era, just message me, guys. I will get back to you in my good time because uh, phone calls are, are needy in anything but a pandemic. Wow, a tyre chat that I enjoyed. We, we should draw no further conclusions from that. Uh, we are going to get out of here, but we have one award to give. Comment of the week. Hmm, I remembered comment of the week and Matt had to leave. Could it be that me forgetting comment of the week isn't my fault at all somehow, but is in fact Matt's fault? Yes, let's conclude that. Before we get there, follow Brad at Bradley Philpot. You go by Bradley. That's like your grown-up name. Yeah, so I've yeah. changed all the all like the display names to Brad because it sounds oh, okay. cooler and younger. As yeah. I get older, I have Brad. to try and come across cooler and younger. But yeah, I can't change the actual handle. It's at Bradley Philpot. Okay, that's cool. Well, Bradley is... 
the thing is, Brad, he's like a skater dude. You know, he's he's like into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Bradley's Where's a grown baseball up. Cap in yeah, the exactly. House. Yeah, Bradley. Bradley's a grown up that you should follow and respect. Uh, but you have a your streams are going really well. Like I'm really impressed with how your iRacing streams have come on. They're well worth watching if you want an insight into how a racing driver goes about his business while racing. And it's something you could never do in the real world. So it's a treat to watch you do that on your iRacing streams. So YouTube is the is the channel that I really, uh, it's the, the social media outlet that I enjoy the most, I care about the most. So just search for my name, just search for Brad Philpott or Bradley Philpott on YouTube. And I have uh, a big stream coming up this weekend, the next round of the Digital Nürburgring Endurance Series. So looking forward to that. Do tune in for that. Also, Brad has been involved in the VCO sim races, which have involved the likes of Roman Grosjean, uh, uh, Max Verstappen, and a, a bunch of like a bunch of stars from other motorsport series. That if you enjoy them, chances are you will recognise drivers from from the series. A lot of W series drivers, GT drivers as well. So definitely great value, and some of the top sim drivers in the world as well. Um, Alex Van Jean, first to ask you, how do you search for Brad's YouTube channel? Do you search Bradley Philpot YouTube or what, what do you do? Uh, I, I search Brad Dude 2K. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's where to find it because that's, that's the actual name of his channel. That's what I do as well. So I was just checking that you did the same. But actually, your streams are, are entertaining in a completely different way. You're, you're, <laughs> a, you're a lovable, <laughs> likable chap, and I want people to go and search Alex Van Jean on YouTube. You not only do racing streams, but like just general gaming streams as well. Yeah, my, my, my racing streams are generally a little bit more peril than, than Brad's are. I'm usually in some sort of fracas in the middle of the pack. Um, so where Brad's is almost a show of how you should do it when you're out there on your own, mine's a case of the actual realness of what iRacing is generally about, especially in Formula 3. And then I've been doing Elite Dangerous, which is a, um, a space sim. And straight after this show tonight, I'm on my Twitch stream with uh, a whole bunch of other guys, Danny Henney, um, who does, who's in iRacing, Nick, who's in the chat right now, uh, Kyle Powell's not joining us, but normally does, doing flight sims, so uh, DCS. So we're going to be, and I'm going to be taught to fly an F-18 straight yeah. after this show. So find me on Twitch, just search for my name, Alex Van Jean, V-A-N-G-E-E-N, and you can find me on there. And um, we're going to do some chat and there's stuff up and it'll be good fun. There's a can be up four of us in there. It'll be, good, be a Brilliant. good giggle. Brilliant. And um, you and I are overdue a date on the VR a military sim onward, onward and we'll, we'll do a bit of live streaming on there as well soon. But you're, you're subbing for Matt. Matt's picked, to, uh, picked some candidates for... Comment of the week. And we'll let Brad be the judge. Alex Van Jean, take it away. So, in true Matt Trumpet style, I have seventeen of these to go through. <laughs> um, but no, I've I've, I, I, I've I've done it the way you want it, Spanners, which is I've actually picked three um, <gasps> to make it actually simple. Um, so the first one is by Stuart is by is by Stuart by Collis F1, which is a sprint race at Monaco would at least mean the procession would be over quicker. Oh, but yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, true. When talking. When talking about rich energy, you got um I'm gonna butcher this name, I'm really sorry. Um Martin Wijantz, yes. who says Lamberni Genie Audi Rich Energy as a team name. Um yep, could be anything. Bernie spelt B-E-R-N-I-E, uh, and then Audi in there as well. Um then you've got the last one is actually I've got I've actually got two more so I've actually got four not three I'm okay not. so you lied to um, us all okay fine is is Robasher is is Story's beard like Pinocchio's nose <laughs> which I quite liked um no! and then there is <laughs> no, and that's then there crazy is... 
And then there is Bruce Siegel, which is groovy tires are my jam. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> which I liked. Who's the winner? But, uh, Brad, Brad, my Brad, winner for the week. No, hang is... on. Wait, wait, wait. No, Brad picks the winner. Uh, just did... Yeah, on, it, the only one that made me laugh out loud is the is William Story's beard like Pinocchio's <laughs> nose. That's I love it. And I assume that means the more um He lies. Bibs he, he tells the longer <laughs> the, the beard grows. That's why his beard is so Alex, who 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 gave us that? So Robasha, you win comment of the week. Comment of the week. Alex, give us a read of that comment of the week again, just to give it some air. Oh, got to go back to me thing now. Uh, Robasha, is Story's beard like Pinocchio's nose? Absolutely fantastic. I have had a whale of a time on this week's Missed Apex podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. If you want to encourage this kind of thing, of course, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex to support us. But what we could really, really do with at the moment is just any kind of help with promotion. So an iTunes review would be fantastic. Um, Go to iTunes and just leave a five-star review. And I don't care what you say. I don't care how much you slag off Alex Van Jean's face or Brad's wearing hats indoors penchant. You can do all of that as long as it's five stars. That helps us interact with the YouTube video. Uh, Like, subscribe, comment. And on your social media, there will be a link in the show notes that you can just share and distribute amongst your friends. Even if you've got two followers, it helps us. Trust me. We've been doing this for seven years and we've almost grown our audience listener by listener. And by doing that, we've built a fantastic community. So take a moment to share this with at least two friends, because when I'm looking for a podcast, I look for recommendations from people I trust. So tell the people that trust you that Missed Apex is a great place to follow the 2021 season. We will be back, I think, actually, on the 21st with a show that you will enjoy with a special guest from the world of F1 journalism. Wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. Thank you for letting me speak for so long about tyres. That was good. No, it feels okay. I enjoyed that tyre talk for the first time ever. I just love that it cut. Literally, Matt leaves. Right, let's talk about tyres. <laughs> no, and, and, and that was always the plan. But it wasn't just a big, like, sticking my fingers up at Matt at all. It was literally because Brad had hit me in the week with that tyre topic. And I, I wanted to know why I was wrong and why every time I called for groove tyres, people yelled at me and called me stupid. And that's fine. And I'm Correct. happy to be wrong about that. I just wanted to know why I was wrong. I think it's because like in, in motorsport and specifically Formula One, everything is supposed to be there for a reason. Yes. Like it's supposed to be the best thing. Like so if it's got grooves, then they must be there because it makes it better. And that that isn't the case. It'd be like having like having grooves in the wings. You know, if you have if you cut sections of the wing out to reduce downforce, <laughs> it's just silly. Just have smaller wings, like then then they're as big as they can be. You shouldn't have said that out loud. That's gonna happen now. Someone's gonna hear that and go <gasps> We should have grooved wings. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.